Hello, everybody. This is Jay. Before we jump into this episode, I wanted to just pop in and extend a very sincere, very spooky apology for uh, for taking so long to post another episode. Uh, as you know, our uh, original co-host, Zachary, um, has been busy with a new baby, and I've been busy planning my wedding. None of this is really any excuse other than 2022 really catching up to us. Uh, and... Um, and making it difficult to book episodes. You know, I've had a lot of friends, a lot of guests on, um, and it's sometimes hard to schedule. Um, so I know it's been a few months since we've, uh, since we posted, but we're jumping back in. I've got a couple more episodes in the holster for you. So hopefully we'll be able to post back on a regular clip. Um, if you're a fan of the show, please, uh, Please be sure to support us uh, in any way that you can. You know, just throw us a like on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, you can you can find us at Fear and There. That's our handle across the board. Um, you can check it check us out at fearandthere.com or you know send a send an email to fearandthere at gmail.com, uh, letting us know that you're mad that I haven't been posting an episode. Um, you can also feel free to drop in movie requests there. I'm always looking for uh, new stuff to watch. Um, and uh yeah so this this next episode is is another fear and there and friends edition um but then the episode after that we will have a a wonderful uh wonderful triumphant return um from uh from Zachary and and it's a, it's a movie we've been looking forward to talking about um and then after that I'm you know I I may try to do some some interesting things like post some solo episodes some themed episodes um some heavy researched episodes um so you know make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a review so uh you know what's coming up um that way you'll be the first to hear about it when it happens um so uh yeah so enough uh, yak in here uh, I'll I'll launch you into the episode so this is uh this is fear end there and this is the episode on green room Hello and welcome to another installment of Fear and There, your remotely recorded horror movie podcast. Um, it's been a it's been a while. We uh, we had a, a a bit of a break since the previous episode, um, and I would like to formally apologize to our scant listeners for that uh, for that break. Um, it's been a bit of a hectic year. If you uh, haven't noticed, I'm planning my wedding, which is coming up later this summer, uh, and. Uh, Zach is still tending to his tiny human, uh, but I was lucky enough to rope in a couple of uh, a couple of fear in there regulars, a, a couple of return guests for a very special episode. So, um, should be good. We are talking about the A twenty four film Green Room in this episode, uh, which is actually a bit of a fear in there favorite. Um, I'm sure we've mentioned it a couple of times in the past, but it's definitely one that's been on a couple of lists that. Um, Zach and I considered, and I don't know why I didn't make the cut. And you know, Zach snoozes and he loses and the winner in this case are going to be my two guests here so uh so i'm jay and i'm calling in from coventry rhode island and uh brother why don't you intro yourself uh, i'm eric and first time calling in from portsmouth new hampshire <laughs> with the listeners who remember that he was maybe previously calling in from Derry, <laughs> new hampshire would definitely <laughs> notice the strong it was Derry, Milford. new hampshire Milford. i don't think he's ever lived in Derry. <laughs> You New Hampshireites. All right, all right, Colin. Which which backwoods New Hampshire town you calling in oh, from? I'm from I'm from a true backwoods New Hampshire town. Uh, what's going on, guys? I'm calling. Uh, I'm calling in from Epping, New Hampshire. It's on the seacoast, but it's in the woods. Nice. It is no. not on the seacoast. It's, a it's the first town of Rockingham County. Rockingham County is the county of the seacoast. Boom, seacoast. Honestly, I can smell the ocean from where I live. <laughs> you smell the ocean. No, you can't. <laughs> Let Jay honestly, talk already. Honestly, I'm throwing shade. I'm throwing shade, but like Eric probably lives in the least backwoods place out of the two he, of us. I don't know, Colin. My does. my town is like if, if you could see this wall of black on these windows here that goes to my like woodsy backyard. There's like three acres of woodlands in my on my property. So so it sounds like you're smart like me, and we live in awesome places. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely plenty of space with this uh, whole working at home pandemic stuff. But Eric, Eric lives in Portsmouth. He just moved, uh, just moved out there, and it's a really, really great city. I think it gets overshadowed best, shadowed best by Portland, Maine. Um, some of the but, best, some of the best, uh, mm-hmm. like food and bar scenes. I think oh, in New England. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Really so, uh, yeah, if you're so inclined, go and visit him and just go door to door, uh, yep. shouting Eric's name belligerently and eventually he'll come out and say hi. Um, yep. 
Well, welcome guys. I'm, I'm excited to have you on the cast here. Um, this, uh, this movie is one that I, I do know both of you had seen prior, but I think <laughs> I just learned before hitting record that Colin had seen it about eight to 15 <laughs> times, uh, which, you know, is pretty, pretty classic Colin. I think uh, it's like standard. That's like standard for me for like literally half of yeah. the horror movies you can find on streaming platforms right now. Of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, now so I, I did go through a kick like three weeks ago. I was like, what? I just got to watch all the horror movies. Um, yeah, I, I think it's you. You were on the last episode. You were on. If you, if people want to go and re-listen, was uh, was the episode we did on Creep, yeah. um, and I think Creep was more of a comfort watch for you, as you yes. put it. Yes, uh, yeah. So straight up comfort watch, <laughs> which is weird as hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, much like the the protagonist slash antagonist of Creep. Um, he, he definitely is like he he has these like slew of movies where it's like, oh man, we've been out uh out drinking all day, and it's like eleven thirty at night. Hey, you know, I know it's July, but you want to watch Krampus? <laughs> <laughs> Christmas in July, bro. I know it's in July, July. And, I, <laughs> and I drank too much, but let's watch Krampus. Um, oh nice, man, nice. we were actually going to do uh, part of this big, this big delay. We were going to do an episode on Krampus, but uh, next year we'll have to do it just, next year. Yeah, yeah, it'll we'll it'll come back around. It'll come back around. <laughs> but honestly, I, I don't think I could pick a better movie for the two of you. Um, there's a lot of context here that I think is uh, really great to to cover. Um, so obviously, Green Room setting the stage here, uh, pun intended, is a, is is a film at its core about a touring band and the experience of being a touring band and being in a punk underground band. Um, now that experience goes horribly, horribly awry. And we'll talk about that in the spoiler section, but, um, I just had a couple of, I wanted to throw you a couple of context questions out of the Mm -hmm. gate. Um, before you plug your current band, well, we should get there for sure. But we should get there. Uh, yeah. Colin, I know that. So what's interesting is, so I got to know. Obviously, I got to know Eric from you know the Burf. ripe the ripe age of zero, um, uh, and we're not going to get into that. Um, no, we shouldn't. But uh, I met Colin at a summer camp, and this summer camp was sort of in that two thousands heyday that everybody was really into pop punk at the time. I think, I think like the biggest the biggest songs in the genre at the time were like good charlotte little things and and like these kinds of ocean avenue yellow yeah. card every kid at that camp knew every yes. word and for some <laughs> reason our summer camp just had a lot of pop punk counselors and it was just that was just the scene um but i remember having some early conversations with you colin before i even played guitar you know i had played mm-hmm. piano since i was young so i was a musician but i was not a a rock musician i remember you talking about like you you know you, talking about going on these little mini mini tours yeah, and, and like opening for friends bands and and so I, I was just hoping to like I'm wondering it, without getting into spoilers we'll get into that later yeah. but like do you connect with this band from those like early days not now it's a little different with the internet and whatever but like those early days is what this band is doing yeah so like literally back when I first started playing music um, I was an athlete and I'll never forget when I told my dad I was quitting the hockey team as a captain and he's like what are you gonna do and I'm like I'm gonna go get a job and I'm gonna play with my punk pop punk band actually we were a post hardcore band at the time mm-hmm. um, and he was like all right so I had like all this freedom to go out and play shows every weekend now and yeah we did like small shows like this I think connecting with this though in like any way I I did a run one time and we saw what were we like 18 years old 17 years old and we were going to be running out of gas like we had no idea how we were going to pay mm. for gas to get home from Connecticut we had like no gas and I, nobody thought about siphoning gas I don't think but I remember RJ our bass player being like you know we could just steal it and I'm like no dude we're not doing that so we ended up just asking like some random dude and he gave us 20 bucks for gas so we didn't have to so we didn't have to do it but if I was going to connect to this band in any way on like the old because when I was when I was like going on like small little you know weekend runs like up and down the east coast or just playing in Boston we would, I mean, I've played in venues that kind of looked like this place when you walk in. Now, I'm not saying it's the type of people, but 
you know, places oh, yeah. that look like this. And you're like, and there's like five people there. And you're like, what are we doing here? Like, why are we here right now? <laughs> like an empty, an empty VFW hall or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I remember one, one, we played like a pop, well, we played a punk bar, um, in, and it was in Portland. It's gone now. Um, but we played it and it was just like this. You walk in, stickers everywhere really weird back room like everyone's kind of like not talking to and at that point i think yeah you could definitely still smoke indoors so there was like cloud of smoke and stuff like that um and it was just weird and it was like very uncomfortable it was like we were i think we were 17 or 18 years old and we were like let's play and get the hell out of this place dude (laughs) let's go let's Let's get out of here let's just do it let's just check (laughs) it off on the list yeah yeah so like i and and like i feel like eric you've been to a bunch of venues with me like smaller venues you're like wow this place fucking sucks <laughs> well, i mean like i actually was talking about it i was actually talking about today the sad cafe and plastic oh yeah dude <laughs> oh the sad cafe yeah we all remember the sad that the was my first <laughs> that was my first show my first show ever was at the sad cafe yeah in plastow new hampshire yeah yeah it reminds me of the band so i you know i played in a, in a pop and pop pop punk band obviously in middle school yeah farfetch was the dude, band that name. band was awesome <laughs> i remember <laughs> Remember that band? We, we we played our regular haunt in the local area was a venue called Curly's Coffee, uh, which is like just a, just not. I, it's not. There's no coffee involved. I think he made nope, a pot no of coffee. coffee for the bands, maybe, but nope, like no coffee. It's just an empty room in a strip mall, yep. um, which is incredible. It was right and next it, to a yarn barn or like a yarn <laughs> store. It was I a mean, yarn it was, store. It was yeah. really the only place that you could have like an all ages show around us. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's we played. We played there literally every other weekend like mm-hmm. i think i played i've played with johnny if anybody listening to this from new england you probably know johnny earthquake band he mm. played there like every saturday and we got to play with that dude a bunch and we, like you guys like that's how we met adam like our current guitar player in our band i met adam playing shows with him at curly's 20 yeah. years ago at curly's <laughs> yeah that's funny yeah, yeah it's, um, funny. it's funny there's um there's a story i always remember where um, a friend of mine, completely unrelated to Colin in any way or anything like that, this was years and years ago, um, was like, I, I literally saw it. She had posted pictures of a show she went to at Curly's. Oh, and there was shit. one picture where Colin's just like shoving himself through a crowd. And I'm like, oh, that's Colin. So I text, I texted this girl and I was like, I was like, hey, I was like, I was like, I think I see my friend at that show. She goes, which one? I'm like, that one right in the middle is going through the crowd. And her response is, yeah, that guy was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, will, I, I, I feel like, uh, Colin, you are a bit of a ride or die. And, yeah. and, and I, I love hanging out with you. I've always have a good time. You know, perhaps that's a little bit because I don't hang out with you every other day. But, yeah. uh, but, but you know, sometimes you've got that energy that, that, that's abrasive to people when you're, when you're on yes. that wavelength and they're not on that wavelength. I can it absolutely that. I can, can be. That. It absolutely can be. And, and, and to hit back on your other thing. So it's funny that you say that, like the energy that I always have when I go to shows and especially now that I'm doing so much more with like promoting and stuff like that, taking it back to green room too. You mentioned it. There was no social back then, right? No social media, no, like the, you had pure volume to get your, so you had MySpace and pure volume. pure volume. Yeah, dude, MySpace and pure volume. So when the green, when this movie came out, I, I looked, I was like, oh, 15, that sounds like right about the heyday of, and it was kind of when things were starting up with, with streaming platforms, but still like, but, but they face- do have, there is a writing moment in this yeah. movie. This is actually a really good point you're making here because they felt like they needed to explain it away because yep. there is a clear moment where you're like, wait, why the hell isn't this band on social? Why isn't this band like calling a, a friend of a friend who lives, some, you know, like, Everything and, we do right now to 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 get our music heard, it's right. crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and and yeah, you're right. It's not 2022, but it's only seven years ago, right? So yeah. But it, they 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 had that moment where they're like, we don't want to be on social because of some bullshit reason about well, know, no, shared they music say, and yeah, they say it's like you can't feel the music yeah, yeah, unless yeah, you're yeah. at the show, right? Like music yeah. should be heard live and bought with a CD, and that day is totally done. And it's really cool to watch movies like this that. Like you said, t- so this movie was in 2015, right? I'm not, I'm not crazy. Should I look it up? I think it I'm pretty might sure have been it was. 16, but yeah, was it yeah. 16? You, you're, yeah. It, it was the mid aughts. Okay, sure. so at that or point, like the yeah. mid tens, I guess the aughts, okay, the, whatever. So at that point, Spotify was 
on all cylinders, right? And yeah, and yeah. I've always actually kind of wondered that about this movie. Does this movie take place in 2016 or is it maybe a 2009, a 2008 movie? Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to decipher that. And I don't think they ever no, even tell no, you I mean, really. No, it, it was definitely. The self, what what are they using for cell phones? There was, there was iPhones. Okay. Yeah, they, so they were go. definitely smartphones, but I, okay. I think this is this is a good point. I almost yeah. wonder why the why this director, um, which, whose name is Jeremy uh, Solnier, Solnier. Um, he, yeah, I can't. I don't it's, know. it's interesting. I, I'll talk something. a little bit about his shtick. Um, this was actually sort of a labor of love for him, but I, I kind of wonder why he didn't set this movie in even the nineties, you know, because it seems like, like everything, it it seems like he kind of was just like, I don't want to think about the production design related to that and all, you know, so there's, there's a a lot of aspects, but yeah, yeah. I don't want to go too far down this road because I'd love to talk more specifically about about the spoilers, (laughs) but before we uh, jump into the spoiler wall, um, you, you two are in a band right now. Now you guys aren't are. touring. You, you we both, are. You both make well, we're money about separately. To, we're about to. We're about to be. We're about to be. We're not. We're not uh, full. Touring. We're not. We're not full. Yeah, we're going a little weekender. We're not. We're not full time. Full time musicians right now. But yeah, we're <clears throat> we're in a band. Promise game. Been doing it what for two almost two years now. We had the pandemic. Yeah, really so like that, up like that. Yeah, we, we had like a year of it during <clears throat> the pandemic. We started off as like just like a bunch of friends who were like, Hey, you know, like we love pop punk and we all kind of play instruments and you know, why don't we like cover some songs and have some fun and started getting together like, you know, every other week in Colin's basement and throwing stuff together. And we realized we're like, Oh shit. You know, like <laughs> we're kind of, we're kind of like, we kind of gel like this. Like, sounds this is good. good. You know? cool. <laughs> this is actually and then, good. <laughs> and we started writing stuff and it like one thing led to another. And we eventually decided we were going to put an EP together. <laughs> one and, thing led to another. And then well, there was a baby. Tough. And then there was a baby. Now there's was, a baby. Was, you know, and it was tough. And it's interesting how you like correlate it to how easily these guys are just like going around like, oh yeah, dude, my nephew will get you into this gig or whatever. It's, like it's so we hard. started during COVID and there wasn't gigs. Like, you yeah. know, we, we yeah. had stuff ready to go to play live for all, more than a year. And a we couldn't year, put anything together because it was impossible to put gigs together at that point. So we didn't play our first show until like, what, like September? Yeah, September of uh, September, 20, yeah. 20, yeah, it was a weird time to start yeah. a band. But yeah, it was a weird time, but like it worked out. You know, we got to leverage a lot of that social media. Right. So we were and you know, we kind of dove deep into it. You know, there's a lot of good background in our band. There's a good marketing foundation. There's, you know, the music itself speaks for itself. It markets itself. So we were able mm. to really capitalize on a lot of the talents and skills of everybody in the band to kind of break through a lot of the noise and you know we've we've played with a bunch of nationally touring bands that are signed and you know we're we're doing the damn thing we're we're just having fun with it we're coming out with a new ep um this hey we have a new single that drops oh yeah new single yeah the new well midnight when we're recording yeah Yeah, by by the time time this is out the new single it'll be out it'll be out so everyone go listen to that new single you might even just go to promise game and spotify because you can probably just listen to all our music but yeah yeah, it's pretty it's it's nothing. It's if if anybody here personally knows Jay, it's you know the type of music like he just said back when he was a kid playing pop punk. That's what we are. We're just a bunch of thirty five year olds yeah. living the dream, <laughs> sticking stick it out, man. Stick yeah. it. Hey, we're, hey, I, we're I just, appreciate the we're loyalty just to the show. It. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, great. Well, so I hope we carry all that context into this movie because I, I I really do think that yeah. there's like a reason it felt so visceral watching this as a person who's been in these situations before. So for sure, dude. Um. Great. Okay. Well, so we are, um, we're about to enter the, the point of no return. So if you have not seen 2015 slash 2016's green room, uh, head over there, watch it and then cue us back up here. Um, but I have have confirmed it is 2015. I was right. Beautiful. I actually do think it got wide release in 2016. So just, that's what I was saying. I thought it was 2016. No, but the, the, the day OG day. OG, OG. Um, (laughs) But yeah, okay, so the spoiler wall is going down right about now. Doing stuff with my friends. Uh, Cool, okay, so Green Room. Um, I want to pick up this conversation about about the touring band experience. So um, I think like, so there, so, so another band that I, that I was in, 
called Jet Black Sunrise, yeah. uh, was sort of my adult college band. A little leans a little more pop rock, but really we didn't know who the fuck we were. Like every every album was more experimental, you guys are more awesome random shit. What you were. Well, I yeah. appreciate it. But, uh, <laughs> so much fun live. I mean, like to be fair, me and Colin drank our weight in beers at your shows and had an yeah, but we don't blast. dance to bad music. We dance to no, good music. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> was a bigger disaster than when you invited me up onto the stage to play cowbell on my birthday. Jesus <laughs> what was your birthday, man? Um, um, yeah, it was out of rhythm. It was out of rhythm. <laughs> but so we we did it. We had a couple of we. I remember there was a three show run that we did once. That it strikes me as. I understand that I am not on the wavelength that this band was. We were too fucking soft as adults Mm -hmm. to sleep in a van and like not know where our gas money was coming from. Now, granted, we were in our mid 20s, so we were definitely like past college and we had other aspirations. And there's this visceral moment from one of this, these, this three date run that I'm talking about where so, um, People listening, if you understand some of the venues in some of these cities that I'm going to talk about, our three-state run was we played the smallest stage at Webster Hall in New York City. And headlining the big stage at Webster Hall was Raekwon of (laughs) Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, And then the following night, we played the small stage at Fett Music Hall in Providence, Rhode Island. And playing the large stage was Bone Thugs in Harmony. And so this was this was a two night run for us. And so we're in these green rooms, you know, to, yeah, to call back the to the time. Room, we're in these green rooms with just these massive entourages, just like smoking so much weed. And like we're we're just sitting there, like okay, we just want to play like our to like our thirty five friends that are coming to this other stage. But I remember, and what, what I remember the most was our drummer at that point. It was very clear we weren't going to make make a. a a career out of this and so our drummer was in law school at the time and i just yeah jc yeah jc swizzler he's uh now now an esquire keep Um, that guy away from your wives yeah yeah not that he's gonna do anything he's just a good looking man just a good looking bro yeah (laughs) just because your wife is in love with jc doesn't mean that everyone's yeah yeah but but i'm kind of in love with him uh so he so i just remember us sitting just this one moment uh sitting on this like filthy filthy green room couch much like the the couches in this green room in this movie with random people coming in and out like offer offering of uh, offering us hits of weed and stuff <laughs> and jc's literally there with like a leather bound book studying for his <laughs> final the next day because like we we booked this run and he had to do it um and so it was just like that's awesome so so seeing these these sort of settings from this movie really triggered some stuff in me um and, and i do i do really think as like a baseline to understand the bond that these guys have but also just like like watching them turn on a dime from like okay this is normal band stuff right this is a dirty old backwoods place but whatever we've played in worse like just like you guys said in the intro yep. we've played in shitty rooms before fine we've slept in shitty bands i just made a fart joke 35 minutes ago like like this sort of moment and then you see it flip when actual violence is there which is not the same as a shitty venue but like seeing this flip of humanity in the band, it really kind of triggered me because it, it made me realize that it's like, okay, just cause you're playing a shitty, shitty loud punk music in a shitty venue doesn't mean you're not like a human who feels these things. Right. And so I, I just, it, the setting really set that off me. So I'm just curious well, if like you're equating any of that, that anxiousness in the same way that I was. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, one of the things that I, I remember uh, is <laughs> they're up there and they, and you know, like, they're in the middle of their set and they decide they're going to play that song in, Nazi a, in, a, in, a, in a white supremacist venue that has the Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks. Which is uh, a hardcore thing to do. It's a hard, it's a thing. And one of them just throws a beer bottle and the guy just kind of, yeah, but he like fucking perfectly yeah, dodges yeah. it, dude. Yeah. And like, and, and, you know, and he keeps there, singing. Like, he keeps singing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And you talk punk, about, like, <laughs> yeah, you talk about the humanity like side of it where they're like, there's sort of like this notion where you know if you're going to go up there and you're going to sing stuff in that genre that's going to offend people, that's the entire point. You know, punk music right. is literally designed to be like fighting it, against yes, like you know, like the, the standard belief in the authority. Yes. And, and, and unless you're in, you know, like sort of the hate core genre, most, <laughs> most punk rockers are literally very anti-fascist. 
So it um, is a weird it is a weird thing because I get the sense that you look at I mean this is this movie's 2015 so if you look at most of the most of these Nazis iPods at the time their yeah. music style interest is probably very similar to what this band was playing and I it, we can talk a little bit about like the Nazi libertarian far left far right kind of thing that they were talking about at one point in the movie, we can get into that, right. but it's a good point you're bringing up because the music is tough. When you hear the music, you think it's tough. And the fact that the guy just dodges, dodges that bottle and like they choose to play this song to this room full of Nazis. It shows two things to me, right? It shows that they understand what message they're trying to send in their music, that this sort of oppression of, of like subversion of disbelief and all of this kind of stuff. But they're also, they're also like, I don't know, they've been here before and they, they're putting up like a like this this act where they're like, okay, cool. Well, we know that we've been in a lot of weird and dangerous and stuffy and fire code violating situations before and this is what we do and we're going to fucking do it. But when actual murder happens in the green room is when they they sort of turn and are like, some of them are acting much weaker and some of them are like, wait, this is like really, really not okay. This is not what we support. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a good point, Eric. I, I, I think watching watching that like moment of him dodging that bottle was, yeah. was like, yeah. Well, but that, it gives you a good, it gives you a good idea of like, and I always, and I'm, Eric can tell you this from first person experience. I am a different person when I get on stage than when I am off stage. Yeah. That's just a thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Frontmans do that. That's a big frontman thing. But I think a lot of people do that. Um, and yeah. you can kind of see it in this movie too. Like, you know, they all seem pretty hard up there, right? They're they're playing music that is harder than anything lyrically that I would ever sing. But then they get out and all of a sudden they're not they're not those hard, thick, you know, skinned people. They are definitely you know, like you said, people with feelings, people that are seeing a situation that's yeah. like, oh shit, time to turn that switch, time to flip everything. We were, cause you know, the, the band thing, that's, you know, they're obviously on tour and that's the main goal, but every band's real goal should be on tour is making sure that everybody comes home safe. Like that's, that's yeah, like the course. biggest thing in the world. Like you want to make sure that you make to your next show, you want to make sure everyone gets home, you want to make sure it's a good experience. These guys, like, Unfortunately, they got put into a bad situation and automatically just turned into an absolute nightmare. And not saying it could happen to anybody, because I think this is, I will say one thing about this movie, it's a little far-fetched in my realm of, you know, the music world. But again, I'm not... It's hyperbole, yeah. Yeah, but I'm also not going to these, you know, these, these, these shows are happening. You know, this, this shit's happening, so... Yeah, our genre is, our genre plays in a much more like supportive, friendly environment. Punk rock in its like inherent nature, like real, like classic punk real rock punk. is supposed to be in, you know, an environment that's aggressive. That's, you know, like, you know, very like in your face, you know, and like you see it in the scene where, you know, like the, the dude with the mohawk comes out and tells them, oh, you know, like, uh, the, you know, the, the show, this is how much you got. It's only six bucks a piece. And the other guy grabs him and like shoves him against the wall. The other guy's like, Oh, okay. Easy there. Easy there. Yeah. Uh, that would never happen. That would never <laughs> yeah. happen at our show. Like no, I, no, I would have not, a, yeah. I'd be like, Hey, let's go have a drink and talk about this because you're not, you're definitely giving us more than six. Like I, that would just never happen. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a, different, mean, well, it's a different world. Yeah. I mean, some of it is like plot about, he, he wanted to show that that guy was strong and was the guy who was sticking up for the band. And, and of course, he becomes yeah. an important, person oh, later for that probably one of the most important yeah the only way that like anyone survives this problem but is that I, guy <laughs> yeah but, but we're all hovering around this this like persona thing that you had mentioned colin i mean there's a very there's a very clear perhaps a uh, little little bit ham-fisted but there's a very clear corollary in that in this movie because when they're doing that radio interview with this guy who they're whose couch they're crashing on right. he asks them their desert island band which is sort of the the thematic run through of this movie and all of them except for the main protagonist can right. answer and they answer with like like the first guy says misfits and then and then and then he like, switches it to, yeah yeah and then you know and they're all they're all kind of talking about like like bands that fit their on stage yeah. persona because they're in interviews persona. whatever um, but then later when they're about to die and, and the veil's been pulled off 
they think they're gonna die one of them's like i i just i think my desert island band simon and garfunkel yeah and then yeah, the yeah, other yeah, guy's yeah. like prince the other prince. guy's like prince <laughs> which is fucking incredible because both yeah. of both of those artists are also undeniably objectively incredible so like it's not like they have bad taste but it just it's it's the veil has been lifted in those moments in such an interesting way um but what i like about that was I thought it was a little much on this second rewatch. I don't remember that being as like sticky in my mind as like the yeah. thing that the director was trying to say with this movie. Well, and he brings it up at the end, very, at the very, but then the very he, last yeah, the part. Very, very, very he gives last you a big middle like, finger. Goes, yeah. He's like, I'm not going like, to tell like, you because it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he's you like, I got it. Care. I know my, um, I know my, my desert Island band and the girl's like, Oh, tell whatever. somebody who cares. Yeah, yeah tell somebody, tell somebody who gives a fuck. Yeah, yeah, somebody, somebody who gives a shit. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, and then it ends, which is I think him basically saying like, I this is what I was doing earlier in the movie, but it's not important for you to know who this person think, actually is. Can I transition yeah, I like into just a thought, like just just something that one of one of the things that I thought was perfectly just like so well done in terms of like casting was you know the the whole cast is basically sort of like a bunch of, I wouldn't say no names, but you know, like people that like, you're not really, you know, seeing a ton of stuff and things like that, but like casting, for alpha dog cast. Yeah. Okay. We'll get to that. I know. I get it. Um, but casting Patrick Stewart, he was okay, like, well, well, Patrick Stewart was okay. This is a discussion topic. If you want to go there right now, we can Patrick oh, Stewart we- was widely considered a stunt cast in this movie. This was a t- intentional, on, on the part of the filmmaker to do exactly what we're talking about here, which is totally like confuse everyone. Cause Patrick Stewart, he, he plays the same character as this fucking Nazi, but in most movies, but in most movies he means well, and he has better ideology in this movie. He plays the same guy, but it's horrible ideology. Um, it's interesting because I mean, just a reading on how Patrick Stewart accepted this position. I'm curious if you knew any of this, Eric. I did not know I, any I, of this. I don't. Yeah, I'm curious. So he he was given the script, and you know, it was just one of those things that I think he like. It was probably like an offhanded, like he probably wasn't actually considered it. He was on a short list, whatever. Um, but he read the script, put it down, and immediately went and like locked all his doors and turned his alarms on because he was so like just disgusted and horrified by this character and he was like okay this feels like it was written for somebody in my position to do like to do the 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 picard like thing but as a nazi you know he is like a truly inspiring leader for these men but he's a nazi yeah so yeah i I just i just thought one of the best parts of the build of this movie is the absolute like constant like calm of patrick stewart yeah that like led into that whole scene where like he's outside the door and he's calming him down and he's negotiating and he's like come hand me the gun and he hands him the gun and they just slice the shit out of that guy's arm and it's like that's the first real scene that you're like oh my god like the first really violent gory scene and you see it and you're like oh and you don't really like the the it was I think the way that like it happened, I literally was just like, you know, when I was first watching the movie, I had no idea just how brutal the movie was going to get until I really saw the whole, like his arm come out and it was just completely sliced. It was like a spiral cut ham. Yeah. yeah, I I think like what's interesting about that melee is like my anxiety was pushed to the brink up to that moment. There's this release with that moment. There's, everything happens in like 14 seconds because yep. the, the jujitsu guys on the floor, keeping that guy pinned and he snaps his arm, which is horrible yep. to watch. And then not even just getting sliced with the fucking machete, but that guy, they, when they grab his arm and you know, oh, it's he, gross. you know, he can't get away mm-hmm. and they're going to do something to his arm. You just feel so, bad for him because it's like there's like 17 guys out there who you know you know something bad's gonna happen then when it comes through and he and they show long shots of that moment of his wrist it's like it's just hanging well they show a lot of um and and that relates back to the way that you were saying you know um it shows a lot of like the, the actual humanity involved in these groups that like play a genre where you're supposed to like yeah. you know, be tough and like aggressive and stuff but there's like that line and he immediately goes out and he's like he's having like a panic attack and he's crying and like crazy pain and they're doing all this stuff yeah. um you know that like really brought it down to earth and i thought that was like 
really, really well done in terms of, um, in terms of the psychological build to the violence. And then like <laughs> the, the girl that's in there with them that they don't know, they like, they just they decide they're like, okay, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to kill this guy that's in here with us. And they're like, well, I don't, it's like, how do we know that? How do we know that he's actually out? And she just takes the box cutter and just slices his stomach open. Well, they didn't want to kill him. They wanted to knock him out. That was their plan. And she yeah, he was like, yeah, yeah. Like, but is she he out? Is he out? Yeah, that's they where had I, all that's this baggage of of like what had happened before because she yeah, she, she had knows all everything this that's going on. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like it's interesting because um, I think that was the scene where you realize that the movie actually is going to have a significant amount of like gratuitous violence because it's well, just that's so it unnecessary. That's it's when just, it started. It's just for so me. unnecessary. But movies where it's unnecessary and it happens you just accept it you're like oh okay so this is where we're going with this i'm in let's go this this time so i forgot that that vertical slice was gonna happen that surgical slow like it's awful relished slice i forgot that that was gonna happen but what actually struck me more this time was like the 23 seconds before she does it and you watch her holding the box cutter toying with the idea of doing something um that actually got me the most and again i think that that's like a really good stand-in for my whole thing um <laughs> colin just put in the chat um tell him tell him that i threw it on i'm in my office so i have like a tv above my desk and i threw it on on silent and he and and we just got to the slice moment literally as we were talking about it as we Um, were talking about it (laughs) nice i love real-time reactions but the moment that got me more was watching her toy with it and decide like what she wanted to do to him like this movie has has a really strong grasp on a very specific type of anticipation, which I think is really effective because the first 40 minutes of this movie, you don't know how, how far they're going to take it. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I really do think it's interesting because like what we're really talking about here is a touring band who may have personas and may have allegiances and may have like a history of alcoholism or whatever it is, is still wandering into a situation that they, you really don't have control over. You're, you're like, you're in, in the middle of the woods, you're given things and nor would you ever expect. Right. So I wonder it's, I mean, I think, I think a regular audience member can wrap their head around it, but I wonder, do you guys think that this is more powerful for people who have been in bands? Like, yeah. 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 I mean, it sounds like an obvious question, but like, I, it's it just sort of struck me last night for me for me i remember watching this the first like when so i don't even know mm-hmm. how i came across this when i first did but i remember being like oh it's all about a punk band and i was i was just in like i was gonna like it anyways but then mm-hmm. and like you just said the first 40 minutes not so much horror it's very much character development stage development setting up the story and then all of a sudden it's just <laughs> brutality coming at your face so yeah I, but i think but i think what it does is the first 40 minutes brings musicians in because even if you've never been on a tour even if you've never you know maybe even played a show you can still maybe realize or relate to like what's going on here right mm-hmm. if you're a musician yeah. in any way so or if you have friends who've done it or whatever. Yeah, or if you've been to a show. If you've been yeah, to right, right. if you've been to a show with a hundred people, you you could probably relate to like some part of this movie right. in some way. The first right. 40, first forty minutes maybe. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like the, this director. I was doing some reading, on some interviews with this director, and it took him a long time to get this movie greenlit. Um, it it was a movie that I think was a tough sell for some studios. And I don't know if that's because someone like Patrick Stewart needed to be attached or whatever, but um, it took him a long time. So it really did seem like he had wanted to write a, a, a very specific kind of movie here for a very mm-hmm. specific kind of situation. Um, obviously, but I mean, his other, he doesn't have many credits. Like he directed a couple episodes of, uh, of true detective, I think. Yeah. That's and, what I was going to say. I was looking, I so saw, I'm not familiar, even though I've seen this movie a bunch, I'm not really familiar with Jeremy. And I was like looking and I was like, Oh, doesn't he have much, yeah. doesn't have much going on, but you know what else he did? And this is off, off topic, but have you ever seen the, um, I thought he had something to do with the invitation and I wanted to look that up too. No, I think, um, there was a producer in common with that movie, but that's, okay. a, that, that's another movie that <laughs> incredible, incredible anticipation in that movie. Yeah. That's a good um, one. Yeah, that's a good Anyways. One. <laughs> Eric, Eric, have you seen the invitation? Mm-mm. 
Oh, you'd like it. You, it's you good. should go watch that. I don't want to say anything more about it. You yeah, should it's just really go good. watch it. It's really good. Very good. Um, <clears throat> so great. So I, I had a question about Patrick Stewart. So again, I, I it's it's kind of going against hype. It's going, you know, I, I think it was actually criticized for like overdoing the like, hey, here's like a supremely loved actor in a despicable role. Um do you think anyone else like it's hard to unsee Patrick Stewart because it's sort of it's almost like part of the shtick of this movie. Like it you can't really just say this is a movie about a band who plays a, sh- a remote show at a Nazi venue and all hell breaks loose, right? You can't really say that because that's kind of like okay, I don't want to watch that. But if you say and Patrick Stewart is in it, like then you're like, <laughs> yeah, how does he fit in? Is he a cop? Well, they also like, milk. They milk the Patrick Stewart thing for all it's worth because the very first mm. scene we have Patrick Stewart, it's that very very ominous like they're just following him from the back and they're like doing pan ups of him and then they finally show who it is. Like they really want yeah. you to be like, oh, oh that's Patrick Stewart, bro. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. you know? laughs> like, it it is true. That, like, yeah. um, can can they, anybody they, else do it though? That's my question for you guys. I can like, give you, I can give you like uh, non horror fans take on your question about Patrick's like about okay. like him yeah, being okay. in it. So I showed it to Alicia. You guys both know Alicia, my wife. Um, she also likes horror movies, but she's not like a horror movie person. She she likes watching them, mm-hmm, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And she when she was like, I didn't say anything. I didn't tell her that because she knows him as Doctor X, right? So. I didn't tell her he was going to be in it. And all of a sudden she's like, oh, it's him. And I'm like, yeah. Do you know who him is? And she's like, no, but it's really cool that he's in this movie. And then that was like, I was like, fucking Christ. Like that, that's all you need sometimes to get people just like that one face, like put Zac Efron in any movie and somebody, and people are going to be like, well, I mean, Zac Efron. Well, I mean, I mean, I think that a lot of, (laughs) I think that a lot of like real Patrick Stewart fans know him as John Luke Picard, but you know, we won't, you know, we don't have to. Well, yeah. I mean, he's professor X too. I mean, what's funny. Oh my God, is, I said Dr. X, Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> when I was, when I was trying to think of like corollaries, I was going the other way when you were, if you were to lean into the cast, like, would you put like a scars guard in this movie or like, uh, um, I, like an Andy Circus or something. Like I'm trying to think of somebody who has that like sort of menace. See, but then, I think that's a like they needed, but I think they. I don't know. Sorry, I cut you off. I was more or less going to say no. like, I think you see a lot of actors are starting to do this later in their careers. Like they're doing, and this is an indie film. Whether we yeah. like or like, it started off as an indie film. Like look at. I mean, obviously it's an extreme, but look at Nicolas Cage. Like these actors aren't afraid to go take indie scripts. Like it might be something that they kind of dig into and say, hey, you know, this would yeah. be a fun project. Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think Nicolas Cage is, is probably a, He's just a crazy misleading too. example. He's a lunatic. Did <laughs> no, you guys, you know did you guys watch example? Pig? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah, so great movie. Just good. a wonderful movie. Oh, wonderful. so good. Um, Eric, do you know who? I, do you know who I think might have actually played a really good role like this? <laughs> it's gonna sound ridiculous, but I can totally picture it. Is potentially like Robin Williams. I was gonna R. say R. Kevin Kate. Spacey would have been a good one because he can play yeah. any asshole like like a yeah. like a boss. And he's, ca- he's canceled already. already. So yeah, yeah that's what I'm. Ca- saying. But he wasn't canceled in 2015, was he? Yeah, but, but maybe you, like, maybe only give him Nazi roles because he's canceled. <laughs> now you only put him in Nazi roles. <laughs> think about um, Robin Williams in like one hour photo. Yeah, no, Robin Williams. Like, it's not I, a terrible. I mean, if you, I like your instinct here, going the comedy direction. Like, if you put like a Jim Carrey or something in this role, like, like we, you could go crazy with it. Because um, I, when I was trying to think of examples, like the only one I kept coming back to was Ian McKellen because because of his association with Patrick Stewart, and I yeah, think those true. two are like a pair of besties. I mean, I the, God, you're you're probably gonna hate me, Eric. But no, I'm not gonna say it. Never just mind. say it. Keep going. Just say it. Nope. Just I'd say like. It. I'd I like to see. You, so. <laughs> <laughs> like Brian Cranston wouldn't have been terrible. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. so. But also, yeah. you know, like I just think that there's uh, Brian is- Cranston doesn't really have the calming allure oh, for dude, like the same I, the same way. I just I no, I mean he definitely I fits disagree. in the straight down the middle <laughs> version of this, not the like subversion. But I do no, like yeah. the idea that this is a sequel in the Breaking Bad universe. 
and like and and like Heisenberg just started a started a Nazi camp and you know because that is a fucking meth lab in the has, basement has so. all the awesome Albu- Albuquerque bands come through and all mm-hmm. the touring acts yeah it's nice, they'll, it's and nice. they'll do blue they do blue laces instead of red laces <laughs> true the red laces Jesse we have to cook. <laughs> Jesse, um, we have to we have to tour. <laughs> um so I I kind of have two more topics that I I want to pick one of them just cuz I don't want this podcast to go all night but also I don't know which one is going to strike you more. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the setting about like y- specifically using Nazis as your villain and like is that too much? Like it, it does does that feel too obvious, too dark, too grim? That's one thing. But I also kind of wanted to talk about the the violent realism of this so mm-hmm. dealer's choice which one of those things would you like to talk about violence eric, or I'll nazis pick. i'll let let's eric talk about pick violence i think we've talked enough about like the culture aspect of this let's talk oh, about like the, let's talk about the fucking cool. blood cool. <laughs> yeah so and, and what's my I favorite actually, part of the movie well and and i think it's probably what gave the movie it's like 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is so viscerally done, but in a way that is not like you look at something like Hostel, which I don't know if you guys know is is currently streaming. Uh, I own, so, I own oh, all I three on I own all three on Blu-ray. Yeah, so and, if you ever nice, want to come over, nice little pleasant well, watch. I just want to say for for all of the listeners out there, every damn time we do one of these, you gotta reference your Blu-ray collection. Can yeah, you, can well, you, I have all three Hostels on Blu-ray. He's like, you want to stream it? And I'm like, no, I got my PS4 ready, locked. <laughs> ready to go Colin you're so, you're so stuck in 2015 man. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah dude yeah see nobody cares nobody cares um, <laughs> Blu-ray, we, awesome. no. we got Blu-rays here <laughs> so per- perhaps like a better example have you guys watched yet I wouldn't be surprised if you haven't but have you watched the Netflix uh, Texas Chainsaw reboot yet of course yeah I just um, not yet so yeah that movie, you know, I guess spoiler alert for that movie. I'm going to fucking talk about it, but uh, it's a lot of, a lot of virtue signaling, a lot of millennial nonsense in that movie and a lot of complete Collins giving us a thumbs down and fart noises. I did not like it. Um, I, I didn't dislike it as much as most of the critics disliked it, but there's, there's, there is an attempt in that movie to give us something that is like next level gory. I'm pretty sure like, like much gorier than, than I would consider the status quo. And it's interesting in this streaming world because it's like, they're <laughs> better have those parental controls up. Yeah. On do Netflix whatever you want now. Yeah, yeah, Cause your, your kid's going to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which literally it shows up in the top. Yeah. It was like, Hey, number one, watch me. <laughs> yeah. It's rough. Um, so, that is what I would consider the complete opposite of this. And, yeah. and, and the one point in this movie I'll call your attention to, and then I kind of want you guys to talk about what are this, what are these visuals that stuck with you. But for me, it wasn't even a visual that stuck with me. What stuck with me is when he finally, he finds it, the jujitsu guy who is our one hope in this movie, right? The one guy who seems to have his shit together and knows what he's doing finally founds, finds a way out, which is that sort of back window, like, quick service door and he rolls out and of course there's just people waiting there to like hack him up with a machete but they don't show it and they don't even really show us the aftermath all you hear is what i would consider a very realistic sound of a machete or a knife slicing into a person they don't make it splattery they don't make it gooey it's like it's I'm a little bit I have a little bit of a background in sound design, so I've tried to make these foley sounds before for projects, and it's really hard to make it sound like a stylized Hollywood movie. And this movie sounds like what I would imagine it sounds like to just take a fucking chef's knife and like slice it into a pork butt, you know? Yeah, okay. And, so, and it just it was so disturbing yeah. how understated it was. It was just such a simple and I think the kid's reaction was like, Oh shit, or something. Like he was like, yeah, he's he like, was oh, like shit. Pumped. He's like, Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, like he, like, he like finally like popped his chair. Yeah, so okay, yeah. so one of the things yeah. I was definitely going to comment on is um, there was a lot of the violence um, at the end of the movie that really reminded me of the sound design of um, one of the scenes in Midsummer, the uh, the scene where like they're jumping off the the cliff. Ugh. And they go in and they're just oh, like beating yeah. somebody. They're just like, they, he's like not dead. So they just start beating him with a club. Yeah. There's no, there's no aggressive music. There's no over the top shit. It's literally just like, fuck, this is so uncomfortable because it feels like exactly what it would probably be like. And that was what I, the impression I got with a lot of the violence in this. It was like, it was so understated. Like the way, like it was like one scene where they like, and they come out and the, the the girl and the last guy standing like come out and it's just like 
five Nazis out there and they're just like, boom, 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 and they shoot them up and they just go back inside like nothing happened. Like, yeah. oh, fuck, all right, well, we got to try something else. Well, <laughs> you know, like, the, 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 what's, I mean, you're bringing up a really interesting thing about the fact that these these fucking people, they keep going back to this green room. The green, there's yeah. nowhere way well, out of the green room. Well, that's their safety. The that's their safety. That's their safety. Yeah, but they yeah. know, they know when they go back to this green room that not only is it, you know, only one way out, but there's only one way in. So they know that like, they, they don't, right. they don't there's know. There's two there. There's, there's two ways in, um, but well, there's well, really only one. Well, you know, like they get to Am- two. Amber but, yeah. literally says when they said, okay, they're like, so what about the exits? So like, uh, one in the front, two in the back. And they're like, what about windows? She goes, I don't know, man, check yourself. Yeah. Take a and, look. Yeah. 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 And like literally that was like one of the things where it's like, they don't know the structure of the building. They don't know how to get in and out. Yeah. They don't know. They know that yeah. the, the Nazi well, they, people and on they, them down do know. And they get out because of, finally that guy comes and helps them. And like, yeah. And, there, and there's, it's funny because that. there's a lot of scenes during when they're trying to escape where it's just like, so there's no real buildup to it. They just kind of like go out and they're like, all right, we're going to get it. And some guy comes in with a dog. Like, Oh no. And then like well, so that was my thing. Go. So my vi- So my thing for the violence and was the dog violence. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, so as like a dog lover, I always hate seeing dogs like put into light like that but it's a very real it's it's a realization that that's a thing and it sucks but like when i see a dog ripping a dude's throat out that gets me like oh, I and can then watch, they show the mincemeat of it it's yeah rough. dude so like and the guy's I can not do, even dead and he's, he's not even like, dead he's and just then, like sitting yeah. there like dying yeah he's not yeah. even dead and so like i can i can deal with so much like i can deal with like a lot of gore but like watching a dog rip a dude's throat out not only just the gore factors, like I don't want to watch a dog rip a dude's throat out. It's just not what I want to do. So like no, that, of course. I literally like can't watch that part. So like I don't when I do watch that movie because I do watch it sometimes just randomly in the background. I don't watch that part. Like I I I hate that. So I think that's probably one of the most violent scenes if you ask me in the entire movie. Any of the they, dog, any of the like yeah. s- dog sickum scenes. What's yep. really interesting about that watching it this time because I was really. Key, like clued into it this time um obviously we all love dogs here um i think pit bulls have this misunderstanding about them that all of them are aggressive and like this but what's interesting this movie very very clearly again you can fault the director for using the dogs as like a as like a violence machine as a plot device in this movie so you've got this guy this guy who's the dog trainer yeah, dog keeper. and they were like paying for it like oh you want top end you want you want middle yeah, end yeah, dogs. exactly like, what are you yeah. what are you looking for it's like jesus yeah Christ, so there's man. there's this underbelly there but what's really interesting this movie seems to be making a very clear comment that it is not the dogs right. like and and the reason i say that is the very end that dog that uh-huh. was supposed to be dying remember when he says like i consider yep. it a favor if the dog died with meat in its teeth which is a horrible thing to say um but this guy loves these dogs in his <clears throat> twisted way. But more importantly, the dogs fucking love him. And right. here's here's the thing. Th- these dogs will do whatever their pack yep. leader wants them to do. They live to please human beings in yep. this in this world that we've d- domesticated dogs. And the dog literally, like the dog that's supposed to be dying, wa- walks miles to go and lay with this guy who's now dead and then die next to this guy. Yeah. This dog is, was doing horrible things because this was a horrible guy, but right. it's not the dog. It's him. And so I think that that's what the movie is very clearly trying to yeah, tell it us. Definitely which does that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And I'm glad they did that because yeah. that everyone knows that. I think like, you know, I, th- I would hope everyone understands that dogs are not, that dogs are a product of their owner. That's all there is yeah. to it. Just like children are a product of their parents. That's how it works. So mm-hmm. if a dog gets beat for its first year of life and gets trained to fight, what's it going to do growing up? Like, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, yeah, it, is yeah, it, course, is. So yeah. it is what it is. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And, and you made a comment about being under <laughs> the gore being understated. And I, I want to drill down on that because I, I don't disagree. I, I I said it too. It is understated, but it's it's not because it's also one of the goriest movies that like came out in the last five years. Like it's definitely yeah, a very it's, violent it's movie. It's gory. But what's interesting about saying it's unstated is understated the level of gore that this movie brings you and the lack of stylization of that core is I think what we're talking about here, right? There is like a realism of like, okay, what would happen if some guy got hit six times with a machete in his arm, in his bare yeah, arm? 
what yeah. would happen? May, there would be blood, sure, but it wouldn't squirt everywhere. It wouldn't be this like perfectly lit thing, and you know, it, it's spiral like, ham. <laughs> talk about talk about the very beginning, what where this all starts with you know the whole reason why the movie is the what it is is that a girl has a screwdriver stuck in her head and there's no blood and somebody and and that actually makes sense like. There might yeah. not be blood if it's a small, and then small, he literally small. He pulls it out and says, there it is. <laughs> yeah. The girl goes, yeah. oh, she might not be dead. There's no blood. Like, obviously, I don't think anyone would say that in real life, but they set it up so that, like, they show it. And I, I think I, I, I do remember being like, because my wife's a medical professional, I'm like, would that be a thing? And she's like, if the, if the thing's small enough, you know, and it didn't hit an artery, yeah. yeah, it could not bleed until you pull it out. That's why they say when you get stabbed, don't take the fucking knife out. Leave it in. Leave it there. Because the second you take it out, See you later. I mean, shit, shit yeah. changes. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting. Um, I want the listeners to know that Eric has just inexplicably walked away from his did chair. He? Oh yeah, he totally did. He's just not later, there. Eric. He's probably he's getting just, a PBR. Yeah, or he totally perhaps, a PBR. Per, perhaps using the restroom because he already had a PBR. <laughs> he already um, had a um, But I think we're at a good place to to start getting to the end of the wrap up here. But yeah. I really like this. Uh, this conversation was helpful um, for me, as most of these conversations in this podcast are. Um, to actually sort of discover some thoughts that I have about the movie. And I think something that we talked about a little bit in your last tirade con, which was really helpful Hmm. um, for me is this movie to me is about control. We, we, we hit it. We hit it at the beginning. These bands will walk into these scenarios that they have no control and they'll throw Mm -hmm. caution to the winds. And the only control they have is that moment on the stage where they're, uh, where they're talking, where they're singing and, and, and putting on their persona. Right. And so that's their persona is a version of controlling how they, they make music. The green room is their one, the one thing that they can go back to and know what, the, you know what to do and how to barricade the door and how to to literally survive in this green room. So it's really interesting that this whole movie is this fight for for like turning your own tides. And that's kind of what that this little monologue, which we haven't mentioned yet, about him talking about I think John Silva or Dan Silva or whatever at the at the fucking paintball party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when they went up against these Marines or whatever, they obviously yeah. lost because the Marines were in control. But the only way that they were able to beat them was by completely flipping the tables and taking control of the situation. And that's right. what they do at the end to survive. So yep. um, it's actually an interesting, um, an interesting read on the film. Um, well, this is great. A great discussion. Eric, if you had any more to add before you walked away, you can do that in your rating section. Hey, I um, put it in the chat. <laughs> well the oh, listeners yeah. don't have a chat so he was actually you hit on both he was grabbing a beer and taking a piss <clears throat> oh nice nice yeah um looking for his own degree of control um <laughs> well yeah so this brings us to the uh the end of the podcast which uh like all other episodes we will rate the film on two uh two ranking scales the first scale will be on a rating of general scariness um and we rate those from zero to five sheep as in how many sheep it's going to take you to count to fall asleep um it's stupid but we continue to do it uh we've gone too far and now we have to marry the sheep scale yeah uh but you know as is the case with most of these gory movies i would think i would think of this in this particular case as more of an intensity scale, more of a, how advanced horror is this movie. Um, and, uh, I think I'll go first. It's been a long time since I've rated anything on this podcast. So I'll go first with this. I, I think this is about a two for me. It is very scary. I felt visceral. You feel icky after watching this movie. Um, it's definitely one that I, I watched in this basement here, uh, which is next to a, a big wall of, black trees so it's it's it, it, anything scary down here um but yeah i think it's about a two it, which it's which is rare for me with a gore fest you know I, I i don't know that gory strictly gory movies are things that i tend to rate very highly on the scare scale but this was definitely a disturbing movie um colin why don't you uh why don't you rate it next i'll do a three just because i can like picture myself like in like dealing with something not like obviously as deep as you know the whole Nazi yeah. stuff, but I could just like see how much this would be scare the shit out of me. I I would be if you were in I, the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's and it's you know as a musician you you play places like we're going down to Jersey. We have no idea 
you know, yeah. where we're going. We've never been. Jesus, I swear to God, if we see Patrick Stewart, I'm turning the fuck around. <laughs> yeah, we're fucking <laughs> out of there. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I'd give it a three just because I, I could see that personal, like, just from, our, like, a personal connection perspective. Like, yeah. I would say it was a two. If I wasn't a musician, I would say a two. But nice. for a three, I give, it a, yeah. um, I give it a three simply because <clears throat> I truly felt like the um, psychological buildup was done pretty well. You know, I think that yeah. it, it was interesting in the way they did it. Like most times when you have a good psychological buildup in a movie, you kind of see it coming. This one was definitely like, we're not really sure when shit's going to hit the fan. And then all of a sudden it just does. And it catches you off guard. Yeah. And it's very uncomfortable. I thought that that gave it, I would have usually probably given it a two, but that upped it at least one notch for me. Cool. Um, well, great. And then the last rating was is a rating of general quality. How effective do you think this movie was as a film? Um, we rate this from zero to five stars, or pentagrams, or I guess in this in this case, it'll maybe be five. No, I can't. No, it'll be it'll be five. Oh man, it, it, uh, you guys, you guys choose either between five machines, five, five microphones, machetes, five, five microphones, microphones. Yeah, yeah, five, yeah, five microphones. microphones. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, <laughs> Eric, why don't you go first on this one? Oh, I give it four microphones. Nice. Yeah. Four. Yeah. I want to give it a four, but I'm giving it a three just because I've watched it with other people and I've seen their reactions. And I, yeah, again, like as a musician, I feel like I get super jazzed up for stuff like that. But yeah, I can, you know, like I gave when I was on with you last time, I think I gave creep a five. Like, I love that movie. I like this movie a lot. I just, I think it's right in the middle of where gotcha. it should be. Yeah. You just yeah, like I think- um so i i i think i'm gonna put it right in the middle three and a half is 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 what feels right for me and, Whoa, and i think you're half microphones <laughs> yeah dude what is this bullshit <laughs> yeah, dude. I know it's like points. it's like after colin does one of his microphone swinging moves and half of it flies off into the crowd <laughs> oh it's happened and, um, <laughs> smack somebody in the face yeah no i it's uh it's you you hit on something interesting there i think uh, something we've talked about it is scary for everyone um but i think a lot of people can divorce themselves from this situation much like um the corollary i would put for this would be a uh a home invasion movie i think a lot yeah. of people are scared of a home invasion movie because it feels grounded in in something that they normally consider a safe space i don't think a lot of people have been in a nazi bar seeing a hardcore <laughs> <Yeah>. band um <laughs> yeah. so like to a certain degree, some people are kind of like, oh, well, of course something bad's going to happen. You're in the middle of the woods and this is a Nazi bar. Like they knew yeah. they were skinheads going in. Yeah. Um, but someone in the position that understands where these bands are coming from and maybe they're a fan of the, uh, a fan of this kind of scene or maybe they've been to these bars or maybe they have a friend who's in a band or whatever, um, that brings it back to that home invasion level. Like this is a, this is a movie that feels very even if a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff that happens is like the extreme version of that stuff, it all feels very grounded in stuff that could. That's happen. a really good point. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. Um, so yeah, so I think it's three and a half for me. Um, well, so this wraps everything up. I did want want to say one other thing about this movie, which I found really interesting. Um, so this movie costs about five mil to make, which is a pretty low, pretty that's low budget. Very low. Um, yeah. I'm sure. Patrick Stewart. Has I was going to say, what was, was going to say? You got, he had to get at least a million. <laughs> yeah, out of that, right? yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I tried to find that, but uh, it's not you know not publicized. But it only made in the box office. Now now it's oh, streaming and whatever. It only made three point eight million. So Ooh. this movie was very acclaimed. But you, I think you had mentioned that it like started as an indie movie. And this is an this is a fucking indie movie. This is it's an indie movie. Classic A twenty four like yep. substance over kind of. Like, like substance over success, you know. Yep. It, it's, it's and remember and it's, this was a twenty four before a twenty four became. Yes. Yeah, A24. Th- th- this was sort of in its ramp up phase. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't know. It's upsets me a little, but it makes sense because it's it's a little bit of a hard sell for people. You know. Yeah, it's not a. Yeah, it's not a super general horror movie. Like anybody will no. go watch Texas Chainsaw because it's a classic, and it's like, oh yeah, I've seen one of those before. I'll go see the yeah. new, or I'll watch the new one on Netflix. Yeah. This is definitely. I would leave my final thought with this. If you ask me, I call it kind of like targeted horror. Like this is for a certain audience. This like, yeah, it not, not like obviously they're getting, it became a little bit of a cult classic or not, maybe not that much, but it's got a good following now, but most musicians 
that like horror have seen this movie guaranteed yeah 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 and i think people who like a24 horror mm-hmm. or, or indie horror right. will have seen this anyone movie that went back list. and did like the dives back in a24s yeah they definitely yeah. watched this yeah. too yeah um cool well thanks for coming on guys this uh yeah. this concludes another episode of fear in there uh if you feel so inclined to do leave us a rating on apple Podcasts or now spotify i think they have ratings there too um and uh follow us on all those networks and hit us up at fearandthere.com um any any uh anything you can throw us on the in the like and follow category really help, helps the podcast um and uh and yeah we'll we'll hopefully be back with a new one soon um and our guests uh are in the band promise game so yeah. go and check them out you got are you guys promisegame.com do you not have that url yet uh, you can't, God, dude. You know, I figured out it was going to cost us like 700 bucks to get that. It's actually promisegameband.com, but anywhere okay. on social okay. media at promise game anywhere. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, hit that, hit them up. If you like, uh, if you, if you like, I guess you're, you're, we you're, call it, we call it punk. alternative. We call it alternative pop punk because we're not like pop punk but we are but we're not but you're kind of like what pop punk is now like this is the thing i think a lot of people think it it stopped when yeah it's weird we it's we we like don't even try to genre size ourselves because we like we just say like if you like alternative music from like the last 20 years you'll probably like promise game yeah yeah the thing yeah i mean yeah it just has to do with like every time we get writing we end up like steering away from what we initially thought was going to be our genre and we try not to yeah because yeah, we started off as straight stuff. up pop punk we were like we're but, gonna be a pop yeah, punk band regardless like, we're gonna sound like newfound glory <laughs> jump on spotify apple music basically anywhere that plays it brand new yep. single out um go check that out got another one coming out soon what's the what's the date of the next single uh to uh it's sometime it's mid-april at some point i think it's like the second week of april i'd surprise yeah, i don't got know a whole that fucking date. whole fucking promotional schedule here guys yeah dude it's crazy and the fact that i don't know that date I, that kind of stinks I you're the like only I'm one that would be that date. yeah it's right. in mid-april but the ep is <laughs> going to be dropping the ep is going to be dropping right before we go on a little weekender down to jersey and connecticut and stuff so nice yeah a lot of fun stuff coming up so yeah cool. check it out well, we appreciate you coming on and lending some of that uh, yeah, some of that band experience to the episode. Is as as always, it's been a pleasure, gentlemen, and uh, everyone else. Uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Hopefully, it'll be sooner than this one was. All right, thanks, Jay. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure.